The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by BetDAC. Get 0% commission on all sports for 100 days when you join BetDAC.com. New customers only, terms and conditions apply. And by All About Sunday, the ownership experience where you can own three racehorses for only £18.99 per month. Visit AllAboutSunday.com to get involved today. Now, here's your host, Emmett Kennedy. And welcome along to the show for a Cheltenham Festival special. The countdown is very much on to Willie Mullins' domination of the Cheltenham meeting. It's going to happen again, but can we guess the right horses? Well, we're going to focus on the novice hurdlers in this edition of the show with special guests, author of Jumpers to Follow and the Weatherby's Cheltenham Festival betting guide, which we're about to give you a discount for because it is an essential read. Paul Ferguson, welcome back to the show. Hi, Emmett. You well? I mean, good form. Not as good as yourself, because you must be buzzing in your role as race manager, race planner for the Bruno Storm team. Terrific win in the National Spirit Hurdle over the weekend. He's really made that race his own. Yes, yeah. Well, maybe if he gets back there next year, someone <laughs> said to me if he wins it again, they might name it after him. Um, that'd be nice. No, it was great to see him back, to be honest. He had a bit of a, an interrupted campaign, but he obviously didn't get off to a flying start. So it like it had done last year. And then it looked like he needed to run at Ascot. Ran well for a long way at Cheltenham in the Relkeel on New Year's Day, after which Aiden jumped off and said he thought he needed his wind. Um, tinkering with again which he did and obviously worked the oracle because I thought he travelled better than ever on Sunday really so um, yeah really pleased come out of the race well so um, Ollie's really happy with him Fantastic scenes fantastic we're keeping an eye on what handicap mark he gets even though it's irrelevant because he's not going for a handicap but just something to keep an eye on always good to see um, and yeah look you're in tremendous form the Chel- Weatherby's Cheltenham Festival betting guide is now available from the Weatherby's shop and uh, in physical form as well. And because the loyal Final Furlong podcast audience love Weatherby's and Weatherby's love the loyal Final Furlong podcast listeners, there is a gravy train discount code. So you can get the digital copy, which is what I've got on my iPad in its 24th year. Uh, expert content from the main man himself, Paul Ferguson, joined by a good friend of the show, Rory DeLarge. Uh, legendary content from him as always. Graeme Cunningham with some terrific stuff. Jess Stafford does some really interesting breeding angles as usual. Uh, Sam Turner is back and Don McLean casts his eye over the best of the Irish horses. And, Paul, you've got those all-important, valuable statistics and trends, which get scoffed at by some. And there have been years where the Cheltenham Festival has just bursted every single trend going. But it can be... it can. Be very wise to follow some of these trends. Uh, very wise indeed. Um, you can get it at the Weatherby shop. Um, whether you want to get the book, the digital copy, or the bundle, there is a significant discount for you if you put in this code. Final 23. Final 23. And you get yourself a gravy train discount for the outstanding Weatherby's Cheltenham Festival betting guide. I could not recommend it more. Just how much work goes into it, Paul? It seems like months and months and months of, of painstaking work to produce an excellent an excellent read. And uh, I know I've said it to you on, on WhatsApp a few times, but it really is a tremendous read again this year, mate. Oh, it is, yeah. Month, there is months and months of effort going into it. Obviously, the trends and statistics are the things we um, work on them. I pretty much start working on them after this, once the season starts, once jumpers to follow us um, come out in September time. Um, and then everything else gets fitted into place. We leave plenty of gaps for updating the bits of winners of key races and things like that. Because that was one of the things when I took over um, authorship of the book five years ago. It's obviously the 24th year of the guide now, but I've been writing it for five years. Um, and I wanted to make it 
more accessible and um, more appealing to a wider audience, really. So bringing more editorial pieces in, focusing as much on the horses as well as the trends and statistics, because obviously the trends and statistics are there, like you say, um, but the horses have got to be good enough to go and win at the end of the day. So you can use them as much as you like, and people like to play them up or play them down, dress them up, dress them down. But um, that's why the, the guide is as, as big as it is now. I think we're up to 290 pages. I think we went up 12 pages this year. Obviously includes entry as well, but um, it's just packed so much in there. So hopefully uh, those who, bought, who are kind enough to buy a copy think they are receiving value for money. Well, you've talked me out of Gare de Manil for the Grand National because that's one of the, the nice things about this. Normally you would do an additional entry guide, which would be available, which is also an excellent read. And as a proud scouser, you obviously love the entry meeting as well. Uh, but that's all can, all included this time. Not only do you get the Grand National uh, trends, but you get the entry ones as well. Yeah, we've done that the last couple of years now. I think it was an idea to combine the two because we, we used to um, produce a separate guide for... Aintree and Punchestown and Punchestown um, the last few years has kind of gone in the way that Willie's dominated so much that there were so many short price favourites that it was becoming um, the trends were kind of less significant maybe or less helpful so to say because he had so much ammunition say for that meeting so it was decided a couple of years ago that we tried that route and it seems to be working well so at the back of the Cheltenham guide once Cheltenham's all over we've obviously got the entry section and 12 races are covered there, the 11 grade ones and uh, the Grand National itself, of course. Weatherby Shop, enter the code FINAL23, you get a £5 discount off either the book, the digital copy, which is just outstanding and I really prefer that, uh, or the bundle. If you want to feel the book in your hand and have the digital reference as well, you can get the bundle. £5 off your purchase if you enter the code FINAL23, lowercase, final two three. And um, get reading, and get reading an excellent, excellent publication yet again, Weatherby's Cheltenham Festival Betting Guide, some superb content. Uh, and we're going to leverage some of that right now as we take a look at the leading novice hurdlers for the Cheltenham Festival. The Skybet Supreme novices hurdle, Bet Dacker going 7-2, to two, but Fasal Vega, ooh, he's got to recover. He might, and I hope he does. Uh, Marine Nationale is the same price. For Barry Connell, um, a grade one winner last time out, but hasn't run since the 4th of December. Uh, Gaelic Warrior is in here, but we know he goes elsewhere. Elete Tomp, 5-1 uh, to one after picking up the pieces from Fasal Vegas' defeat the last day. Uh, Lucia, will they, won't they? They seem to be leaning towards the mare's hurdle. Uh, she's a 6-1 to one shot if you want to go that way. And Hunter's Yarn, who I'm interested in, a 10 shot, but he has handicap options. Um, Paul, what's your current thinking for the Supreme Novices hurdle? Uh, just before we go on to that, Hunter's Yarn, uh, literally the... We're recording this just after lunchtime on Wednesday. Um, and as you alluded to, the weights are just being unveiled down at Cheltenham. Um, I've just noticed Hunter's Yarn. There's 143 in Ireland being given 147 for the county. Of course he has. Um, I, think he, I think he'll run there. Yes. Myself, just re- from, what, from what they were saying earlier in the week. Um, I think, well, I think it's a, it's a distinct option for him anyway. Um He's strong travel and so to be probably be well suited to the big field and uh, the county hurdle. So uh, on him, and I think I with the think... New, with the change in rules, it's I'm, I was convinced that Ilete Tom was going to go for for the county hurdle and was pretty bullish about his prospects in it. And then what happened happened in the Dublin Racing Festival. <laughs> so we just have to smile and nod and dust ourselves off and move on. Um, but if you have a novice hurdler who is actually qualified, because you have to have four runs to qualify for hurdles these days. Uh, then you're yeah. probably going to be inclined as long as your mark is fair. And that's a fair enough mark for Hunter's Yarn. 
Yeah, I'd say it was. I'd, I'd probably, it's probably a 50-50 call. I'd say maybe the owners will, will prefer to run a novice race. They'll have, obviously, a, we'll, we'll assume in Perry pass runs in the Ballymore and touch on it, touching him when we get to that race. Um, but here's an option. That's, and that, that's a key point with the uh, in terms of the novices. Obviously, that rule change came into play this year. Um, not just for Cheltenham, just throughout the whole season. So, Beffer Hurdle was affected, obviously. Um, so, it might, it's something to note going forward. Um, obviously, Ollie's got going to have two runners probably in the um, Supreme Chasing Fire and Strong Leader, I might touch upon shortly, but neither of those will be qualified. I haven't just won the, the, the three novice hurdles. So, um, it will be interesting. Perhaps there'll be, and I've touched on this in the guide, perhaps it'll be have more of an impact on races like the county where novices do. Um, in general, tend to have a good record. So maybe there might be less novice runners this year because of that rule. Yeah, certainly less qualify. And if you're looking at the Martin Pipe like me, trying to figure out who's going to run, then you'll be... But I imagine, I imagine when, they, when, when they release the weights today, those who haven't had the, the full runs will now be um, taken out of those races. Yeah, for sure. They'll, they'll all be, be eliminated slowly but surely. So, um, yeah. I, I will get you to look at what Mark Imagine got. A little bit later, because I'm very interested in him for the Martin Pipe, but it all depends on what kind of a mark he's been given. Um, on the ground, before we delve into the Supreme, so it's it's been an unusually dry time of things throughout the entire jumps campaign, basically, and it's caused absolute pandemonium for racecourses. Uh, the grass has not been growing as they would like it to at Cheltenham. There's no rain forecast. They did talk about some event storm that could happen in March, but there's no way of actually accurately predicting it. Uh, and the reality is that right now, no rain is forecast. So it's not a problem from my perspective. I, I think good ground at Cheltenham is ideal, but they want to have it on good to soft ground. Uh, Gordon Elliott has said, and he would have Jerry Kalam and Tiapu, who some would regard as needing soft ground. Dennis has talked about that on the show a few times. Uh, he said everything he has entered for Cheltenham is going to run and that he trusts them to have the ground right. Willie did express a slight concern about it. Uh, how do you view the ground situation at Cheltenham and how is it going to affect your punting? I can't see it being anything other than obviously it'll probably start on good to soft of some degree one degree of good to soft good to soft soft in places or good good to soft in places um, on the opening day because it'll be watered um, appreciably I think one good point to note as well is that the first two days the old course hasn't been used since November I don't think so um, I would imagine that the, the grass maybe on that on that track would be more um, I think maybe there's a better covering on that because the, the other course has been in use through the winter of the, two, the December meeting um, and the two January fixtures, the new, the new course, which will be in play on the Thursday and Friday. So um, I would say conditions would probably be a lot nicer on the, if, if as expected, we don't get any rain. I would say maybe the, the course will be in better condition on the, on the first two days on the old course, which hasn't seen as much use throughout the winter. Um, but yeah, I, I can't. In my forecast, there's not much there. About, there's not much about it at all. It's just it's just been a crazy season, um, and it's all over the country as well. It's, it's ridiculous to see some of the field sizes, which <laughs> in the past couple of days, at some of the courses, I know this time of year in general, you, you tend that the racing quality wise might not necessarily be there because everything's gearing now towards the spring festivals. But um, the ground is just. Uh, Pretty much said that I think it was the clerk of the course at Leicester saying yesterday he was in all the years he's worked there he's never known anything like it for the time of year. I'm, I'm pretty sure that the 
the, the team at Cheltenham are probably highly stressed about it right now. I'm sure it's uh, something they would have much preferred to have had a normal normal year, so to speak, with the weather. But um, we've lost fair bit chunks of the season with one thing and another. There was obviously a cold spell before Christmas and then again through January and the temperatures just haven't really risen and, and, and the rain hasn't appeared. So um, I, I can only imagine that, the, that it's it's going to be nice, decent spring ground. But I certainly don't think we're going to get we're going to get soft ground, like you say, the horses like Jerry Colombo and Tihubu seemingly need. Mm. Uh, and listen, they might be okay in it. I think Jerry Colombo would probably be all right based on on what Gordon has said. Maybe Tihubu over the longer distance, it will it won't be as much of a necessity for him. But he was very strongly fancied for the champion hurdle last year and didn't really like the ground at all and probably needs further. But we'll, something to delve into later and it definitely is something to keep very much close in mind. Um, Corbett's Cross, who was so impressive at the weekend, I cannot see him running at Cheltenham on this ground. I just can't see that happening. But we'll come to the potato race in a little bit and, and find out more. But based on what Emmett Mullins was saying at the weekend, you'd be concerned. Um, current thoughts on the Supreme Novices hurdle, my friend. Okay, just before we start, imagine has been he's one thirty nine and one thirty five in Ireland's been given a mark of one three nine. So I would imagine he will be going the handicap route. Solid moral um, for the Martin Pipe. Spoiler for the handicap selection at the end of this show. Imagine Martin Pipe have been talking go. about it for a long time. Let's <laughs> let's go. Uh, all right, uh, Fasal well, Vega bombed out in the in the Tattersalls novices hurdle last time out. Dennis doesn't buy that it was the pace of the race. Uh, Willie Mullins is adamant that that's exactly what it was, and he was clearly furious with Paul Tennant directly after the race um, and, and did not hold back on racing TV and certainly didn't hold back on RTE with Brian Gleeson. Uh, can last year's champion bumper winner bounce back to victory in the Supreme, or are you going to avoid him? I'd be looking to avoid him now, to be honest. It, 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 he hadn't actually blown me away earlier in the season. He was... It was um, rather workmanlike I thought over Christmas um, obviously everyone expected him to go to Leopardstown to the Dublin Racing Festival and um, consolidate his position at the top of the market that didn't materialise um, like Dennis and many other people I thought maybe there was more to it than, than just the ride at Leopardstown obviously it came out later on that he was um, lame for a week afterwards I think he said on racing TV recently um, which clearly isn't ideal uh, no matter what who the horse is going into a grade one novice at Cheltenham. I, I'd struggle to back a horse on the back of a, dis, a really disappointing run like that. Um, I was having a look back yesterday and during this century, LeBake is the only horse to have won either the Supreme and Ballymore who didn't win or place the time before. Mm. Um, as we touched on, people can look at statistics and trends as they want most a lot of horses who line up in Supremes and Ballymores will have won or run well last time but um, just over a month um, between that disappointing run I think it'll test um, Willie Mullins' magic to the uh, to the maximum to be honest I mean, if, 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 he go, if he gets him back and he goes and wins fair, fair play um, but normally I'd be looking to take on a horse in a normal race on the back of a disappointing run um, so certainly as a favourite for a grade one novice at Cheltenham, I think um, Laura Average says you should look elsewhere. Yeah, I'm starting to question his bumper form from last year as well. Like I was saying this to you yesterday, the only bumper horse that he beat last year that I would be 
intrigued in backing this year, and I haven't made my mind up yet, um, is Embassy Gardens. He would be the only one that I could point to and say, oh, I'd, I'd confidently back him this year. St. James's Gate is out of action. But American Mike, the wheels have come off. And I, I wonder just how much did that champion bumper take out of some of those horses? Uh, and have they been able to properly... Well, clearly, if he comes back to the form at Christmas, when he beat Elete Tomp and Asho Diamond, um, that level of form, obviously because Elete Tomp come out and won the race at the Dublin Race Festival, is, is good enough to, to give him a leading chance. But... Um, and, and I've read and heard a lot of people saying maybe maybe the, the winner's being overlooked. And he wouldn't necessarily be one for me anyway this season. At, at, at this level, um, when you're talking about the Supreme and Ballymore, I'm not. I'm never overly fussed at looking at a second season novice. Um, obviously, talking about Ilete Tompe, sorry. Mm. Um, whereas that can come into play over the longer races in the Albert Bar. Um, so I, I just I just wasn't overly sure about the form overall, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, did you see Road to Cheltenham when when Ruby Walsh did the comparison of the three two mile hurdles that day at the Dublin Racing Festival, the Irish Champion Hurdle for State? Yeah, yeah. Gaelic Warrior. So Fasal yeah. Vegas still crosses the line before Gaelic Warrior does, which I thought was a really interesting observation to make. Um, whether you want to take that to the bank for the Supreme is another matter entirely. Elite um, Tom, I mean, it's kind of killing me a little bit, but. He's the price he is now. Um, I did find, I did find a, an anti-post lucky sixty-three that has Ilete Tomp at twenties. Um, there's someone else at fourteens. Gael, oh, Gaelic Warrior for the Ballymore at fourteens, and everything else. Sir Gerard, which cost me a hundred quid to Paul Ferguson, by the way. Um, going over hurdle, staying over hurdles instead, going over fences. Uh, everything else is basically out of appreciate for the article. All, all, all fallen by the wayside, but. Looking at it from a blank canvas, canvas perspective, that victory at Leopardstown was really impressive visually. However, the third favourite had fallen before they even got to halfway in high definition. The second favourite, who was very well backed on the day in Irish Point, never got into it. It, it seems as though Davy Russell could see what was happening up front and decided, you boys are going to come back to us. And so let them run off at the crazy pace they were. But he still, even at that, he still wasn't able to pick up the pieces late on. And he just about passes Fasal Vega at the finish. So that wasn't a going day for him. So how do you, can you trust that form with Ilete Tom? Because visually it was very impressive, but is there real substance to that form? Exactly, yeah. I'm not, I'm not convinced. Like, I, I like Marine National as well, so come on to him in a minute. But the um, disappointing efforts of Irish points in that race is... It's slightly nagging me, but I think it's clear to see that that wasn't his that wasn't his true running. Um, and I think if any of those at the top of the market are likely to improve for a a strongly run race and b night much better ground, I think Marine National is the one. Um, he just looks like a horse who's got fuller pace. He travels like a horse who's got plenty of quality. Um, yes, he only had that head to spare over Irish Point, um, but. I think he had, had he not made the mistake, I think he would have won more convincingly in the World Bond. I think the ground was soft and ideal for him that day. Um, his jumping will need to improve, um, which I think, again, I think better ground will, will help in that regard. And I think taking a lead, I just like the way he travels through his races. Um, I'd say he's probably tight enough at the top of the market now, but I'd expect it. I would think that 
he'd probably be easy and easy to back in the league up to the race. I would have thought on the day. I would think he he probably he go he, he's going to go one way. I would have thought, but and I'd be surprised if Fasal Vega didn't go the other and harden to the top of the market. So certainly, of those at the top of the market, he interests me most. Again, I say wouldn't be totally convinced he's got um, outstanding form in the book at this stage. Far from it, but I say he's the one who gives me the impression that the conditions um, of a supreme novices and how the race will be run and the likely ground conditions like we've touched upon. I think everything will be in his favour because he is all about speed um, and I would expect him to go well. I think that I think the layoff is a good good move with him. I know it doesn't please everyone seeing horses put away and things, but he, he only won his bumper on debut in late May um, and then he was due to run at the Galway Festival and was pulled out because of the ground and then he ran at Killarney and mid to late August so he's obviously been on the go a long time so he would have needed a break at some point to be fair he probably thought about giving him a midwinter break because he's not a soft ground horse and <laughs> this was the season he probably would have got away with staying at, remaining in training and it would have been nice to have seen him again um, in that race maybe at the Dublin Racing Festival Of the market leader so you would be much more interested in him than Fasal Vega Yeah yeah, I would think as I said I'd wait with him though I could see him drifting if anything on the day um, or certainly in the build up and see Fasel Vega hard and it's a, um, close to the two to one maybe he, he'll still have his supporters who people who were willing to back him at much shorter odds before Leopardstown um, for the English challenge I, I'd have been I, I'd have given Lucia a strong chance here. I don't think she's going to run but I, would, I would, certainly wouldn't have overlooked her in this company yeah I agree um, but it seems likely it seems likely that she will go for the mayor so we'll touch on it a bit later on obviously Tamuras probably sets the standard from an English point of view having won the Tallworth um, again you can probably question the strength of his form his two, two latest wins came on soft ground at Haydock um, and at the Sandown race um, it was better ground when he won his maiden head Lachep so that, that race worked out relatively well at a, um, at a lower level um, he's only raised at 138 just gives me the impression somewhere else that he'll run really well and then he'll improve for stepping up half a mile at Aintree um, which Paul's done a couple of times with horses in this race before um, and see him running on really well and then say them I would think the mayor's in obviously hurdle would suit him um, over two and a half at Aintree uh, well so we got as touched on at the start Ollie seems likely that he's going to run two um, strong leader and chase and fire um, you get the impression that chase and fire is probably more ready um, for this kind of assignment at this stage of his career he's quite, he's quite professional in everything he's done so far he's three from three over it'll both both Ollie's horse are arguably his strongest piece of form was probably his bumper win when he beats a couple of horses who've both won twice over hurdles he hasn't had too much to beat at all in his, certainly in his first two starts he didn't both of them are and um, and then he went to Sandown uh, recently where he completed the hat-trick um, beating a horse Paul Nichols who had won the time before on his first start in England um, ideally I would have liked to have seen Chase if I dipped his toe into um, graded graded class races don't really like horses turning up without graded form into the novice hurdles at Cheltenham but I think it's a case of circumstances rather than a deliberate um, ploy to avoid them. He was, of course, declared to run a Haydock in the Rossington Main, 
in January before that meeting was abandoned. That probably for Jason Fire was probably a blessing in disguise, I'd have thought. Um, because he's also, he doesn't look like he wants, he's a good moving horse, he doesn't look like he'd want really bad winter ground to Haydock anyway. So, um, Ollie seems to hold him in really high regard. He travels well in this race, as I could say. I could certainly see him of the outsiders. I could see him running a decent race. And I'd, obviously, I'd like to see it for the stable. And um, Graham and Diana Waitley were big supporters of Ollie's. Yeah, and it'd be great to see Ollie heavily involved in the finish of this race. Um, what do you make of Diverge? He's bidding to do what hasn't been done for 14 years, win the Supreme with no graded hurdling experience. Got to go back to Captain CB. Uh, but Ebizion in 2007 did win the Supreme Novices Hurdle for Willie Mullins on the back of just one run over hurdles. Yes, um, yeah, it comes in on a similar similar preparation. I've just won the maiden, a maiden hurdle. Um, it took seems to take a big step forward from when beaten behind high definition um, at Leopardstown over Christmas. Didn't do much wrong, obviously. Um, the thing that he'd have in his favour, he, he did race a fair few times on the flat in France, so it's not like he hasn't got racing experience. Um, quite whether he'd be up to that that level at this stage. But it is, as, as we said, it's an open year, so um, it's, it's, I find it difficult to, to be conclusively rule out too many. I think you should obviously touch on higher definition as well. We spoke about him. Obviously, he was a top class Um Flat horse, Fade, no Brian before moving to Joseph. Um, he won the maiden hurdle that he run. He won, sorry, over Christmas has worked out quite well. I think the the mare who finished second at the Jatara's of certainly a fair yardstick. She she ran well against Ashford Diamond um, in the Sol Arena next time um, with fairly limited experience. Behind the diverge was sixth that day, beating the best part of twenty lengths, um, and then obviously high definition got into that. Um, Protracted battle with Fasal Vega um, in the Tassel's Island race at the Dublin Racing Festival. So uh, it came down, obviously, as jumping will need to improve a bit, but the way the ground conditions are likely to favour him, if he if he just doesn't go as hard in front, he'd probably, he'd probably appreciate taking the lead as well in a strongly run race. Again, if he can get, if he, he can get jumping early on, um, he'd, have, he'd have a lot more pace than a lot of the horses in this race. He would. I find it bizarre, though, that so many people are banging on about him when he fell or unseated JJ uh, before he and JJ is a top class rider, but that wasn't the best day for either JJ or Paul. Uh, but he's he's fallen down before the halfway point at the Dublin Racing Festival. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's, that's yeah, not again like a. And, and I'll put no, it this way: like, I, I, I I like Johnny Deneen a lot. I think he speaks a lot of sense and he's a great asset to the Racing Post but just to take something that he said as an example um, he thinks he, he had Fasal Vega in trouble when he came down well I could argue if Fasal Vega had unseated at this very same point and High Definition was the one who kept going I think High Definition would have sunk back to the field like a stone as well and Fasal Vega would probably still be even money 5-4 to 11-10 for the Supreme because the question would have been oh well he was unbeaten and how far would he have won by similar to Honeysuckle yeah, in the, in the Hatton's Grace, like stop it as, as Ted Walsh said, stop it at two out. How far does she win by? So I don't buy it with him. And also, ground would be definitely a positive for him. But he was one of the most unreliable horses we've ever seen on the flat, albeit at a very high level. True. But just I don't see how you could trust him at all. 
Um, and, and it seems counterintuitive to talk about an ex-flat horse who's not as good in Diverge and doesn't have um, the the experience, but at least he won last time out. And he's I'd much prefer to back him at 14s than high definition at 16s, I'll put it that way. I'd have a lot of concerns about him. Yeah. Um, but hey, I, I told Jamie Codd that he was mad to put up LeBake in this race, and we all know how that worked out. <laughs> so uh, I wouldn't give up on Fasal Vega completely. I think race tactics are going to be key in this. And looking back at the last 10 runnings of it, Dovan was held up. But the other market principles, who you write about in the Weatherby's Cheltenham Festival Betting Guide, making the point that Willie Mullins' first string in the Supreme is the one who's performed best. Well, the first strings, Champagne Fever, Vitor, uh, Min, Melon, Classical Dream, and Appreciate, they were all up with the pace. They were either making the running like Champagne Fever or they were pressing the leader, and that's what Fasal Vega will do. Uh, and I think that's going to be important on the day. So I, I wouldn't rule him out at all. Um, Arcalis was the name that kept coming to mind, and... Dennis was, was saying to me that he would have known Arcalis very well from his time in, in England and won on him, uh, that Arcalis won a bad Supreme. But when you really go into the depth of this race, it's not a strong race in terms of quality. Marine Nationale's clearly a very good horse. He's a grade one winner. But a lot of these horses are going to divert either to handicaps or alternative targets uh, for other graded races at the meeting. Imperi Pass would be very interesting. It looks as though he's going Ballymore. So if Fasal Vega is still the number one for Willie, Given his record in the race, the position he's going to be in, the price is, is the key with him. You're now getting 7-2, to 3-1 to one about him when you were being asked to take odds on before the DRF. So I'm going to trust that he's all right and that he's back to his best, and I'll keep the faith with him. But I completely understand why you would look elsewhere. And there's only three horses in the last 26 years have won the Supreme, having been beaten last time. Arcalis, Menorah, and... Um, why has my screen gone blank on me? Why has my mind gone blank on me as well? Uh, LeBake, as you mentioned too. So he has a lot to overcome, yeah. but if the brilliance is back uh, and he hasn't suddenly become a bad racehorse, even though I would question what he achieved in bumpers last year in terms of who he beat, the visual impression was very impressive. And the quotes from Willie Mullins at the start of the season, like that stable tour he did with Mark Yeah, it was Boyle, unusual as well, wasn't it? Yeah. He's not normally as bullish as he as he was at the start of the season. No, I would concur with that. Yeah. I'm paraphrasing here, but it was along the lines of you wait a lifetime for a racehorse like Fasal Vega. This is the man who's got Gallop on the Champ for the Gold Cup this season. You know, Faheen, Hurricane Fly. It's it's an extraordinary statement to make. So I would yeah. I would keep the faith with him for all that there is definitely question marks. Uh, so Fasal Vega for me, um, Hunter's Yarn is very interesting, but I think he'll go county. So maybe a slight interest in Diverge, but I would I would want to have confirmation that he's actually going to run, but not run or no bets, fair enough, and I would hope to get a bigger price. Um, your overall pick? Um, yeah, assuming Lucia doesn't run, um, which seems 90% likely that she's not, um, I would come down on Marine Nationale. Um, and close to the time, if there are any enhanced each-way terms, I'd chase and fire would be the one at a bigger price who hopefully you will run well and maybe sneak into one of them extra places. It's going to be some story if Barry Connell is winning the Supreme Novices Hurdle and the gamble that will develop on Goodland if he does as a trainer. It's been some season for him so far and if he can continue that into the Supreme that'll be cracking as well. Uh, I'll be presenting talk sports coverage of day one of Cheltenham. Champion Hurdle Day and Gold Cup Day I'm doing. 
so I'll be the first to publicly congratulate him. Professor Vegas, the one I'm going to go for. Uh, up in distance for the Ballymore Novices Hurdle, where Hermes Allen bids to be the first cello hurdle winner to win the Ballymore. Can he overcome that curse? Uh, five to two is the price with Betdak as we record. Impere Pass. This is very much Willie Mullins bingo for the next two. Impere Pass and Gaelic Warrior. Are they going to go here or are they going to take in other engagements? It looks as though this is where Willie wants to run them, um, which is another great endorsement of Fast South Vegas ability. Uh, three to one and nine to two for both of those horses. Uh, Goodland, Dublin Racing Festival winner, an 11 to two shot with Betdak and Champ Kiley, grade one winner last time out, 13 to two. Paul, what's your current thinking on the Ballymore? Uh, Imperial Pass. I assume we'll go, yeah. Um, I just, I think step up back up and triple really suits him. I was taken with his debut success um, when he won over two miles three at Nice. Um, and then he obviously dropped back to the Moscow Fire, which was on, I say, the ground, being unknown um, with him, certainly, because he's only his sole French star, which came in an AQPS bumper. Um was on soft ground, soft ground at nice, heavy ground at Punchestown. So we will have that to overcome. But the way he moves and he, he jumps, I think he could actually be even better on um, a sounder surface. He looks like a, a horse with plenty of pace. Um, but at the the business end of both races so far, and again, if you look, if you watch back that back that French performance, he was quite keen through that on the flat. But when, once he got going inside the final fail, and he. he he fairly flew home as he did an ace. He looked like he was going to win by certainly not that far. No, he, he, he bypassed the final hurdle, but then he, he, he really poured it on that day and turned in a bunch of time. He wasn't too far in front of the model kingdom. Um, I know she's probably a better, better mare on, on a sound of service, but he, in the end, once he found his stride again, he, he only had to be um, pushed out and stretched right away from her, given a seven pound. Say, I think she's. I think she's a fair man, probably better than her current rate of 131. Um, the third one, she could be anything. Um, came out and run, finished close in a listed event recently. So, um, again, while it wouldn't be the, the wouldn't have been the strongest of grade twos, um, at least there is a little bit of substance to, to, to the form. Um, again, at the time, everyone assumed that he would go for the supreme because that is normally the route that Willie takes with his Moscow Flyer. Winners, but we do. We have seen it in the past. Obviously, Mikel Dagenay won this race before stepping up and trip to win um, the Ballymore. And I just think that I think the race will be uh, perfect for him because I do think you need you do need a good turn of foot at the end of the Ballymore usually, um, and it's a bit of speed that often wins it off the home bend. Uh, the one slight concern I would have, I wouldn't be too worried about his his lack of experience. The fact he's only run twice because um, he seems to settle well and jumps particularly well as does Hermes Allen who will come on to shortly um, the one the one slight concern I would have with is it would be his age because it, it isn't easy for a five year old to win the Ballymore Good there's only been one in the past 12 the past 12 years which was the new one who obviously went on to make up into a um, top class horse so uh, that's the one the one thing he has hanging over him but um, I just like I like Everton about him for this race. I just think the race will be run to suit. Um, and he might... I really like him. He's a as a horse. I think he's a lovely long-term prospect. And we can touch on him next. Um, but I just think Imperial Pass might um, have the superior turn of foot at the business end of the race. Yeah, I I tend to agree with you. Uh, and that shallow hurdle statistic, 
I mean, some horse is going to end it, but it it doesn't read. Yeah, well. it, it, it just it doesn't read well. I mean, Denman got beaten in this, having won a cello. Even Denman wasn't good enough to be able to win uh, a Royal and Sun Alliance. It would have been back then. To to be fair, his his cello was a his cello was rerouted to Cheltenham on New Year's Day, so um, it wasn't necessarily the same cello on soft ground at Newbury is often the case, but yet still. Still another one beaten, and, and even and even that didn't help him. He, he still ended up coming up no, short. No, no, well, he, he probably should have won. To be fair, I think. Uh, yeah, I think. Yeah, let, let's not go down that rabbit hole. But I think we would all agree with that, though. Um, however, however, some horse is going to overcome that that statistic. Yeah, and they will do one day, and he is he is a really nice horse. He's a he he's a, a really lovely race horse. horse. You have a statistic in yeah. the in the Weatherby's Cheltenham Festival betting guide, not to give it all away, but nine of the last thirteen winners had won an Irish point to point. Well, he bolted up in his. And is there any yeah. piece of form? Is there any piece of novice hurdle form stronger than the cello? Crambo comes out having been pulled up and and wins. Thomas Moore was pulled up. Uh, ground wouldn't have suited at all. Was a really good winner in Ascot and is clearly a very very nice horse. Kilbeg King has come out and, and won passing well. Uh, the same for Jamie Snowden. The runner up that day, you wear it well. Won. Uh, Marble Sands has come Mar- out and won Marble as well. Sands beat Rare Edition. Yeah. Ooh, like yeah. That, that it form is, it is, is a really off. strong form. It is. The one thing you'd be slightly concerned about with that form was it did look to be really bad ground. Um, and Harry Cobden went up the inner the whole way and they, he definitely handled it where maybe some of the others didn't, but you can't knock the um, the four, of how the race has worked out since. Um, you wear it well, won really well. Um, last week in the JNC, you were grade two, back against their own sex. So, um, yeah, he's got course and distance form. Obviously on better ground as well. That was a really good performance um, at Cheltenham in November, where he was able to dictate. That's the thing. He has dictated on all three starts. Will he be able to dominate the field in the same manner? Um, it's something to think about. But he's hard to crab really in terms of what he has actually achieved this season. They say that the shallow forms worked out. He's got form on better ground. He's got course form. Um, and and again, like in Perry Pass, he, he he's a really good jumper of a hurdle. He's he's fast and nimble. Um, and he wouldn't be he wouldn't be the a, a huge horse, but um, his jumping over hurdles. And I know Paul's already talking about going chasing next year. Um, I was actually fortunate enough when I went to Paul's just pre-season to see a few horses school, um, and out of all of them. He was he was the best who I saw on the day, and so I found it interesting. Then that when he did come out and he went to Stratford, which I found unusual, he went for a maiden head of two mile six after the race. Connections were saying that maybe he hadn't showed as much at home. So in, obviously in his work, he wasn't showing um, what he showed when he schooled. But he he changed dramatically. I was at the sale when he was um, he went through the sales ring on was it the December meeting the year before. Yeah, December twenty twenty one. Um, and Ollie's dad aid naturally bought him for 350 grand. And he, he looked a bit of a shell that day. So I can understand why he wasn't given a run at last back end, definitely, because he um, he definitely looked unfurnished and like he needed filling out. Um, a shame he wasn't bad, but there were a couple of people who came up to me at that sale asking, <laughs> was, uh, was he bought? By Ollie for Barbara, which uh, obviously Ooh. in, in hindsight I wish he was, but <laughs> Aiden bought Aiden bought him and it was for um, 
Alex Ferguson and Jed Mason and Hale and John Hale. So um, he went to Paul's, obviously took took his time. And I think I think that has really benefited the horse because I say I remember seeing him at the sales and making notes on him that day and thinking he, he didn't look like it. To, to my eye, he didn't look like a horse who I would have expected um, to have fetched that much money. And he certainly looked like he needed um, the time and Paul's given that time and that's probably paid dividends this this time around so his performance at Cheltenham was really good the only thing that again in the, at the November meeting I thought watching I just thought wow he'll win the Albert Barlett and then mm. he goes to, then he went to Newby on softer ground and I'm just think if he used to run him in the Albert Barlett I think he'd be a certainty to be honest I think, I think once he goes up to three miles probably next year maybe at Aintree maybe um, I think it'll be a different ball game I say I expect him to run a huge race. I think he's a top-class prospect. But I just wonder if um, a horse maybe like Imperial Pass will just have too much pace for him at the business end of the race. Yeah, I mean, look, that would be my concern as well. I mean, going back to that run at the November Open meeting, we've all been caught was desperately disappointing at the Dublin Racing Festival. But before that, he won on New Year's Day at Cheltenham. And the horse he beat, Rock My Way, there was no fluke about that debut run at 66-1. He's come out and won on Cheltenham Trials Day. Um... So that form has got substance. Collector's item back further back, beating thirty three lengths has come out in one since as well. So there's even even going back to Stratford, he beat he beat Theatre Man who who won another hurdle next time. Yeah, and then ran really well under a penalty against a nice horse, uh, Moon Hunter. He raced one twenty seven, and he beat him twenty seven lengths that day. Beat him hollow under Brownie. So um, there's bits and pieces. You'd say that Cheltenham race was probably. Um, other than we've been caught, you wouldn't say music drive, wouldn't be um, one of Gordon Stars. And again, Hubrisco probably wouldn't be near the pecking order, top of Willie's pecking order. Um, and watching watching that race back again this week does give you, you think if if that's Imperi Pass or, or, or something of that level sat in behind them at two out travelling, um, are they just going to be able to come and pick him up? But say he's, he's, he's done nothing wrong, Kermit Allen. And, Maybe one horse will finally break this shallow hurdle voodoo. Yeah, I'm I'm going to back him to do so, and I think he'll drift. I'm not sure, because that does get into the consciousness of, of the betting public, and I, I wonder if if a Willie Mullins horse is going to just usurp him towards the top of the betting, like Imperi Pass or, or Gaelic Warrior, uh, who we'll touch on in a second. It, but, wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me once... Um, once the once Willie's com, um, confirms his runners, and especially once Paul commits to one of them, yeah, I'd be shocked if I'd be shocked if Paul didn't if Paul Tarland didn't ride in Perry Pass. Oh, I would too. Warrior. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Daryl would be absolutely thrilled if he if he chooses to ride Gaelic Warrior. Yeah, I'm sure he I'm sure uh, he would. Yeah, but I, I imagine he'll ride. I imagine Paul will ride in, in Perry Pass. And for those who don't know the the relationship that Daryl Jacob has is he's first jockey to Simon Muneer and Isaac Swede, but Paul Townend has first choice um, for the Willie Mullins horses. The only exception to that is the yeah, JP said. horses. Uh, Mark Walsh would have first choice there uh, in those instances, but but for Townend gets first pick in, in these races. So you'd imagine it's going to be Danny Mullins will be on board, Kelly Quarrier. Um, I, I, uh, I thought he might ride, he might ride Champ Kyle, because he won... He won the possibly. Lawless one, didn't he? Yeah, possibly. And he's not out of this either. Yeah, yeah. Let's touch on him next because he comes in with the Marine National form. So He does. And his earlier defeat of Brazil reads like a good piece of form. Yeah, absolutely. Um, good enough, obviously, to he won at the Galway Festival over 2-5 and then that was the Tipperary race, dropped back to two miles. Didn't seem an issue that day. 
Um, and then, yeah, I think it was the, I think he said it was the change of tactics, wasn't it? Allowing him to, they were trying to hold him up and, um, and he raced too freely in the Royal Bond. So, again, maybe he wasn't quite at his best that day. He was good. He was good in the Lawless and Ace again. I think the um, final hurdle was omitted, but he, he was clearly the, the best horse on the day. Grange, Grange player West and was obviously a bit disappointing on the day, but um, yeah, there was no, there was certainly no fluke about it. And he's had, he'd had four runs fairly close together then. So um, again, I can understand why he's been freshened up a bit. Yeah, and they were bitterly disappointed with him in the Royal Bond, but he was too keen that day. Um, things didn't go to yeah, it was a funny It was a funny race, yeah. It, it was. I, I say even, that. Even That's though, why I think, even looking, looking at that form, literally, like you'd, you'd struggle to say, why is Marine Nationality short for the Supreme? But I think in a true, more truly run race, I thought, would have seen Marine Nationality in an even better light, personally. Yeah, it would, might improve his jumping as well, because... Yeah. To my eye, he's it need to, to be fair, yeah. He's he's slow over his hurdles. Like he makes a notable mistake at the last, but he's not gaining ground at the other flights. He just seems to lose it. He actually drops back through the field at, at one point. Um whereas some of his rivals like Irish Point was jumping beautifully. And that just did to my eyes that wasn't the case with Marie National. He might be better when it comes to the Cheltenham Festival, but that's another slight concern that I should have said earlier on. But hey, we got there in the end. Um I wouldn't rule Champ Cali out of this at all. Uh my pick right now would be Herm- Hermes Alain. He has to overcome that woeful statistic, but the class is there, um, and there's no horse that has a better piece of form coming into this than him. Gaelic Warrior. I mean, he won't end up on the bonnet of the ambulance, but he might end up in the grandstand. Like he, You can't get away with the giving up as much ground as he is at, at the flights of hurdles and be able to go and win a grade one novice hurdle at the Cheltenham Festival. Can you? No, that's my thinking. That's, as I said before, I just don't think you could get away with it at this level. Um, I'm still seething from having him beaten him back to Manti Post last year. Um, and having him beaten up for Mark 129, but um, that was painful. Yeah, he, he was he was good last time, but he was, for me, he was entitled to win that of 143. I'd, I'd have aimed him at the I would have aimed him at the Betfair hurdle when the weights came out and not run him the time before a Clonmel. Because I think he was qualified for a fairly, would have had a fairly decent mark that day. Yeah, he was qualified. Um, but he, but he, he obviously went and he won a nice handicap anyway at the DRF. So um, just for me watching that pack, he's got, he's got all the ability in the world. And again, I think he'd be, he'd probably want to be excited about um, going forward next season. No offences, but it just does worry me that that, distinct like likeness that he has to go to his right and um when you're coming down to the bottom of the hill if he does that again i think it'll be it could prove costly if you do like marine national then irish pointed 40s he's been taken out of the supreme this is his only option gordon says he goes um he would he would need to improve, and he's a five year old, which would be against him as well. Uh, same as Imperial Pass, although the new one was a five year old when he won in twenty thirteen. But at forties, yeah. a, a scumbag each way bet, I, I might be tempted into. Yeah, I'd, I'd certainly wouldn't. Um, he looked good on his on his Irish debut of Cork, and that was only a week, maybe two weeks before the Royal Bond, and then he backed it up again um, with another good run. Once stepped up to two and a half in the Lawless of Mace. Um, maybe it was a case of 
three fairly quick runs was was another determining factor with his disappointing run at the Dublin Racing Festival because he'd, he'd had his three starts between the 20th of November and the 8th of January. Perhaps that was something involved. Perhaps the ground isn't ideal for him because that was the first time he, he went on anything better than um, certainly in Ireland, anything better than soft ground. Um, so yeah, it would probably be worse outside. That's the one who I, the one who I like that um, potentially at a at a bigger price was Henry de Bromhead's in the pocket. I thought, again, kind of contradictory because I was saying I'm, I'm not overly fussed on the SA Tom form, but I think stepping back up in triple really suits. Um, as he beat three car Bragg by a neck, I think it was in the Navan Novice Circle, which was actually running ace this year, obviously due to the abandonment with absolute notions. Um, back in third, I think he's a fair yardstick, absolute notions. He went to the Two mile six race behind Goodland, who will come on to shortly, and ran reasonably well. Ran on like it as though you would appreciate the step up and trip for the Albert Bartlett. Again, three car brag probably looks an Albert Bartlett horse, but we'll probably want soft the ground again. We'll touch on them too um, when we get to that race. But in the pocket, um, travelled much the best that day. And I think probably got to the front sooner than ideal as they weaved away past one of the hurdles. I think I remember um, Rachel getting a split between the two of them, and she ended up in front. And I thought. Yeah, idled and was probably value for a fair bit more than the winner margin that day. He looked good on when he won his points points and he looked good when he won a maiden hurdle at Wexford on heavy ground. Um, he proved his versatility in terms of ground because he handled it well um, in the two-mile race to the Dublin Racing Festival last time. Again, he ran on just shaping for all the world like he would appreciate going back up and trip. I just think he looks like a nice horse. Um, and I think he's around 16, 20s. I could see him running a good race. He is. He's 16 to 1 with Betag right now. And in the pocket would be a very, very interesting runner. Um, and we like a bit of that as well. I think he's been committed to the race as well. I think Henry said that he, he, he's an intended runner. So um, he's a similar price in the Supreme, but I think definitely, especially on better ground, stepping back up and trip. Um, I can just see him traveling around well in behind. And again, he. He'd have a bit of turn of foot at the business end of the race. Yeah, and Blue Brazil, who have terrific records at the Cheltenham Festival too, uh, which is another reason I'm quite keen on Hermes Alain, sire of the mighty Don Poli, greatest chaser we've ever seen, <coughs> and, um, and champion chase winner politi- Politigate as well. So, yeah, look, I, it's it's intriguing. For me, it's it's Hermes Alain right now. Of Willie's horses, definitely Impere Pass is out clear, and I think he'll probably be favoured come the day. Um, any other business? Anybody else to mention here before we go? Your, your final selection for the race? Yeah, I think we should. I think we should touch on good lunch, and we have to obviously uh, be um, unseated early on his debut behind Joe You Made Chan. Then he, he won impressively at the Christmas meeting at Leopardstown um, in a race that obviously worked out well with Tagman in second, Search for Glory in third, and Embassy Gardens back and forth. Again, he'd be one we'll come on to when we move on to the Albert Barlow race. Um, I thought he travelled really well in the Nathaniel Lacey. Yeah, he um, did, yeah. He's quite, quite keen and stuff, but certainly watching that, coming back in trip should not be an inconvenience for him. He just probably had too much pace for the stayers on that occasion. Um, and again, I think he was dossing in front and probably value for a fair bit more than the length and a half. He beats absolute notions. Um, better ground doesn't seem to be an issue to him. Um yeah, I've had, I think think he's he's another one with a good chance. But I just think 
overall for me, I think Imperi Pass might be the quicker horse. I think he, I think he'd have a leading chance if he ran the Supreme, to be honest. And I think going here, I think um, he'd be top of the pile for me within the pockets as the each way option. You might just completely flip me around to Imperi Pass, by the way. I might very well have completely flip-flopped by the time we've actually finished recording this show. But as things stand, I would be with Hermes Alain. But Imperi Pass is going to be a serious, serious player. The Potato Race! To give it its official title, uh, Albert Bartlett, Novices Hurdle, Grade 1, Corbett's Cross, 7-2 with Bet Dak, Embassy Gardens for Willie Mullins. Uh, Lizzie Kelly will be back on the show soon. She was over at Willie's a week and a half ago and got to do a piece of work in Embassy Gardens and fell in love with him straight away. So be interesting to see, hear what Paul has to say about him. 5-1 uh, with Bet Dak, Hermes Allen. Paul, if you ran him here, he would be a stone-cold solid moral. We could just fill up the wheelbarrow and get stuck in. But anyway... Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's, he's not going to do that, though. Uh, Hidden Valley Lake for Henry de Bromhead. Really interesting. Wouldn't have been in love with the ground the last day. And tactics and giving the weight away wasn't exactly in his favour either. Sevens. Sandor Clegane, uh, an eight to one shot and three card brag uh, for Gordon, is one of a few in this race room. Favour de Chamdeau is a 10 to one shot as well, who won the race that Faheen won all those years ago before going on to Ballymore Novice Hurdle victory. Uh, 10 to one with Bet Dak, as things stand. Corbett's Cross, really good at the weekend. Extraordinary to drop back from a three-mile handicap hurdle to shorter officially than two miles and beat a very exciting young horse and found a 50. But I think you're on the same page as me on this. Based on what Emmett Mullins had to say, and he has a he does like to dance around giving you a real answer, uh, but Gary O'Brien was, was putting the questions to him and it seemed as though he would be unlikely to run on the forecast going as things stand, Paul. I'm not even sure you, it was the, the ground he was referring to. His, um, he, was, he even mentioned the possibility that he could be sent chasing before the end of the season, which I thought was a, um, would be a bizarre choice to make. But he, he doesn't tend to play by the rules, Emma Mullins. He doesn't tend to uh, no. follow the norm anyway, for sure. Like no, he, he does not. comes up with some... But he places his horses unbelievably well. Um, and not, I don't think many trainers would have dropped back from winning a three-mile handicap hurdle on heavy ground to win a, a grade two novice over a, over a trip just shy of the minimum trip two miles um, on much quicker ground. It was a it, it was it was a brilliant performance, I thought. I was I was really struggling with the Albert Bartlett. Um, and that that was the one performance that made me think, wow, I think he could be maybe be a cut above the, the opposition if the end up were on here. So um, I think there's a big proviso, and I think things could change considerably um, in the build-up to the race if, if we get confirmation. But it looks like he's popular in the market today, anyway, across the board. So unless something's come out that um, the owner seems a lot keener to go, maybe I don't know. Yeah, I mean, look, if he runs, he's going to be super exciting, and it is Cheltenham. It's difficult to skip the allure of such a prestigious meeting. Everybody wants to be there. Um, yeah. But he's he's short now, um, and on, on, look, you can get stuck in on the non-runner no bet scenario, and maybe that's what people are doing. Maybe people are just taking advantage of the non-runner no bet scenario. Maybe so. Yeah. In the view that he could be considerably shorter than the seventy-two he is now, how much shorter I don't know. Um, Embassy Gardens. It was a weak race. He won the last day against Kilbury Warrior, but it is the same yeah. race that Monkfish won before coming on to win the potato race. Yeah, I thought it was. A dreadful race to be honest and um, and not only in the, the fact that Gordon's two runners 
disappointed re- really badly. So it was like, oh, I just thought he was left alone in front. He obviously relished, um, he relished the longer trip and travelled really well. And he jumped better, I thought. And on this occasion, he just, he just looks to me like he'll be a better horse next year over fences. Um, I, I, that's a, a bit before obviously today's move for Corbett's cross thinking he was at the top of the market he was one I was happy to try and look elsewhere for um, certainly to, to to try and take on maybe i say long term I think he's a nice prospect for fences um, he wouldn't be one I'd be looking at back at single figures at, at the festival personally I can see that uh, but it is Willie Mullins doing Willie Mullins things so that's going to uh, definitely be, and I had a, a feeling at the start of the season that Willie was just going to dominate all these novice hurdles, and that may very well be what transpires. It could also be the case that he bombs out in all of them. Um, he did a really interesting stable tour with for racing TV with uh, your close personal friend Don McLean, who contributes to the Weatherby's Cheltenham Festival betting guide, and he was talking about how they started to wonder if the type of horses they've acquired aren't as good on the old courses at Cheltenham. Because there were certain days where it would come to the Thursday and people were walking around wearing black armbands because of the lack of Willie Mullins winners at Cheltenham. And then all of a sudden, boom, uh, in they all go. But it was, was a Statler last year it, kicked, some kicked of it, it off for him. Yeah, well, he had, he had five winners on them. Five winners on the Friday last year, didn't he? Yeah, on the new course. I think there was a couple of years when he struggled and then um, the Thursday they came to life. I think Ruby was an unbelievable rider of the new course because he was patient, especially over hurdles. Um, that would have had some contributions in his time I would have thought riding there but um, yeah it's been noticeable the last the past few years actually and also it's been noticeable that the fact that uh, I wrote one of the, the features towards the front of the book about um, whether he can match I don't think he can I think last time I was on you asked and I said I don't think he could go near matching last year's 10 and, but also about the experience of his novices um, for Willie Mullins and does seem that the past couple of years he seems happier to let them take the chance after less start fewer starts and I think that's something just um, digressing slightly and talking generalising about some of the statistics from the book you'll see with most races it'll be how many starts a horse will have had what's generally required and things but I think the novice races these days there's slightly less fields and there's less demand than anywhere so where you would normally be concerned about horses um, with two or three starts, maybe you'd want to be looking for a bit more. And the Albert Barlow was always the case that you wanted a, a more experienced horse or a second season novice almost. Um, sometimes things have kind of flipped now and I think that's probably something that will continue to change in terms of having a moving landscape. That The fact that um, the field sizes are, aren't quite what they were and people will say that's down to the additional races um, and things. But that will probably then have a knock-on effect on the trends as they move forward. In the coming years, we might we might be looking more towards horses who don't necessarily need as much experience. And I think Willie's might be ahead of the game on that one. Yeah, you wrote eloquently about that. I happened to read that last night, actually, about the experience. But the conclusion I came to from what you had written was it's more of Willie Mullins is breaking this trend as opposed to anybody else. Yeah, it is, yeah. And it's probably... Um, when I'm on next week and we talk about it's probably more um, significant when we touch upon the novice chasers I certainly Sagar harder be the, the, um, the shining light there you would think arriving at Cheltenham on the back of one run and we'll, we'll go into more detail on that next week but 
Um, a two-mile novice chase win. So let's go for the three-mile round advisory. Willie yeah. Mullins doing Willie yeah. Mullins things. Back to the other bars. <laughs> Back to the potato race. Um, I'm interested in in Gordon's favor de Chamdo. He has talked about how he'll need to prove that he handles good ground, but he did win on good yielding ground at Thurless. Uh, and I liked his performance at Christmas for all that it was on soft, heavy ground. And I just, I want to take a swing at something that's a bit of value in this race. And he's yeah, representing I, that around tens. Yeah, and obviously his form was given a boost by Let's, uh, let's Be Clear about who yeah. came out and bolted up in a week, week enough, obviously made an early next time. But um, yeah, he interested me, to be honest. I was just, I was just looking while we were chatting and it seems like he's been handed the exact same mark his Irish mark to say mark 141 um, so maybe he'll be another one who'd be con- considered for the Martin Pipe route Ooh, well Gordon did say yeah. that in his, Jiggin- recent, in his recent press day that J- would- Jigginstown do like a, a novice dropping back in trip from graded company he'd, t- he'd tick a few boxes on the trends front there for the uh, Martin Pipe that's for sure Sir Deschamps and Don Poli both won the Martin Pipe for, for the mighty Gigginstown stud. So yeah, that could definitely be be a route. In fact, it's probably the route they will take given the mark that Gordon's been got a, Gordon has got a real strong hand, I thought, in the, in this race. Obviously he got three three car brags and that a really nice horse. I'd either give him a, a good chance on soft ground, but I do think it does shape like a horse who who who's probably much better um on a test and surface. His jumping, his jumping wasn't great on his second start, and the only time he um, in the four auction novice hurdle when he he was just behind Imagine the other horse you touched on before, um, and the horse of JP and Willie's hair cued the soil, um, and that was the one day when his jumping wasn't perhaps um, at the same level. Obviously, on the line through in the pocket, who I think will run well. Um, I think that was a strong bit of form where he finished in front of stablemates, absolute notions. Um, and since then, he's beaten Spanish Harlem easily under a really good ride, I thought, from the front from Adrian Heskin that day. Mm-hmm. Um, both three car brag and absolute notions will benefit from going up in trip, I think. But as I say, it's just that um, it's just the ground with three car brag. It's just a little bit of a concern for me. I would, I would, I'd have been. I'd have had him fairly high up the list now if it would have been soft ground. Yeah, I, I would concur with that. Um, ground would, would be the, the major factor with three crowd brag, uh, who also has the, the Martin Pipe as a potential engagement. Yeah, I'd, I'd, uh, I haven't checked his, his mark, but I would say that was unlikely because um, the McNeil, Max McNeil, the McNeil's the 10 cell like to run the races in when, when Adrian can ride them if possible I always get the feeling so mm. um, I'd be surprised if he didn't run in the um, Alba Barlet On the Hermes Allen form uh, that was really disappointing at the Dublin Racing Festival from We've All Been Caught but it was clearly there's a couple of things about that clearly it wasn't his true form secondly there was an interview with Nigel Tristan Davis done on the day uh, by Brian Gleeson for RTE and I'd forgotten just how disinterested Nigel Justin Davis is when it comes to interviews. He just didn't really want to be engaging. Uh, and even when he came on Nick Luck's show, Look on Sunday, to wish Tom Scudamore well in retirement, uh, he just gives short, very quick, to the point answers. Um, but he did, Brian did get out of him that he didn't really want to be at the Dublin Racing Festival. It was the owners that wanted to go. Uh, he wanted to go straight to Cheltenham. Yeah, I think he. 
I think he was the run in the um I think he'd have reopposed Rock My Way, to be honest, in the uh classic novice hurdle. Mm. If on, if he would have run which was the week before on trials day. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was he was entered that then and I think it was the owners that pushed to go to the Dublin Racing Festival. Um obviously yeah, if if you can forgive him that run. He could easily bounce back. He just needs to settle a bit. He's quite keen in his races. So although he, he strikes it as a horse who's desperate for three miles, his run style maybe isn't conducive to that. At, at this stage of his career, he just looks like he needs to relax a little bit in his races. And I'd, I'd imagine um, the festival and the preliminaries and things and getting buzzed up probably wouldn't help. We've all been caught because I'd imagine him going off quite um, hard in front, which would be difficult in a race like this. Yeah, and it was a great ride from Michael, Michael Sullivan on Goodland because you could see that Sam desperately wanted help up front and Michael was just like, yeah, on you go, kid. <laughs> you can pull yeah. as hard as you want. I'm not going to help you. Um, and there was a terrific ride from, from Michael Sullivan that day. Yeah, There's a big question mark about him now, but you are getting compensated. Not as much as we were. He'd been pushed out to, I think, close enough to 33s, at least 25s. He's coming into 20s now. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't dismiss him. That form is still there. And it, it was one off day, but he does, he, he is very, very keen. Um, look, my pick right now would be Favreau de Chamdeau. Uh I do like Hidden Valley Lake a lot, and I'm looking forward to talking to Henry de Bromhead about him. Um, Cork, he was really good winning by eight lengths. Uh, and then the last day against his stable companion, Monty Starr, when he was an odds-on favourite. Look, he, he's having to concede a penalty. Ground probably wasn't ideal for him. Uh, and the pace of the race didn't really set up in the way that you would have liked either. I don't think he lost anything in defeat there. Oh, I agree. I would expect him. Two, two nice horses going forward. I'd probably expect him Hidden Valley Lake to turn that form around on better ground. I think a strongly run race will suit him. He looks like he'll have plenty of stamina. Yeah, I could see him Could see him putting up an improved effort, definitely. Yeah. Right. Sandor could blame. was another one earlier in the year. That, um, I liked when, obviously, again, he had formed with three-car Bragg, finished behind him in a two-mile maiden there in the Galway. Came out one over two five at Punchestown. Um, didn't really seem to have any excuse behind Goodland. Um, I didn't think in the Nathaniel Lacey where he separated again two of Gordon's absolute notions and Cool Survivor both who caught the eye staying on look to be finishing more strongly um, than he was. Maybe being ridden a little bit more patiently and with a little bit more restraint would help Sandor Plagain this time. To say earlier on he had looked. Um, he'd looked a promising type and in his bumper days as well. Like you, I, I definitely I had Favor de Shamdu on my shortlist, but I would think, given that he's been given the same mark, I would think that I'd be surprised if he didn't go down the uh, Martin Pipe route now. Yeah, uh, and it's because of that that I'll switch my allegiance fully to Hidden Valley Lake um, with a note of respect for we've all been caught. Do we know, is, is Rock My Way going to go for this race instead of the Ballymore? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I think so. Well, he'd have to be interesting. Uh, no, he's only in. He's yeah, you're right. He's been taken out of the Ballymore. He's just in the potato. Well, he would have to be of interest then because there was no fluke about that defeat of Pembroke the last day. That was really good. No, there wasn't. Um, winners of winners of those um, earlier season grade twos at Cheltenham have a much better record. The one that uh, Hermes LM won and indeed the classic on trials. They both them have, tend to have a better record as producing horses for the Albala rather than the Ballymore itself. So um, he's, he's a little bit short on experience, but it, but it, was, a, it was a really good run. 
against Weave Ball being caught, considering that was his rules debut on New Year's Day. He looked for, for a long way like he might beat him, and then he beat a good horse in Pembroke, I think, on trials there, like Pembroke for the county hurdle. Um, then going back in triple suit him. Uh, and yeah, I would think stepping up to three miles will suit. Obviously, um, his point to, he had point to point in form behind it for me. He's obviously favoured for the champion bumper as well. Yeah. And although he's only had two runs under rules, he did have three points point start, so he's got a bit of experience. Um, perhaps one more at big odds. Whether he turns up, I'd say probably in the balance at the moment. But he's a nice horse. John Joe O'Neill, St. Davy. Um, he struggled to win a Carlisle bumper where John Joe Jr. was at the work for a long way. Um, but he was impressive in his point to point and he stayed on well at Carlisle. And that form worked out reasonably well. And then he appreciated the step up two and a half miles when he won his maiden hurdle at Chester. And obviously, that would leave him with plenty to find here. And it's a bit worrying that he hasn't been seen since because that win came over the Christmas period. So, um, but if he turns up, it's worth remembering that John Joe's only ever had two runners in this race, and both of them have won Blackjack Catching on Wichita Lime. And he hasn't had a runner since either of those. So, um, he doesn't run, run horses for the sake of it. I would think, though, given the the layoff maybe if if he's okay maybe find a small novice somewhere and then go to Aintree but he just wants a bear in mind yeah John O'Neill hasn't had a runner in this since the Black Plague I think was the phrase you were looking for there Paul um, it, it would be a slight <laughs> since concern the black, since the Black Jack catch him yeah. <laughs> it would be a slight concern um, that it's it's just made in hurdle form he's bringing in here it's not it's not Willie Mullins yeah. doing that um, for all that Willie has been able to do it but that's that's Willie so that would be a slight concern to me. Yeah, Hidden Valley Lake would be my overall pick right now. Um, I like Embassy Gardens. Corbett's Cross is obviously a serious player if he turns up. Um, who's your overall pick? I've got to be honest, I'm still struggling with this division. I think I do. I, I was Corbett's Cross has been the horse that's really impressed me most, just by virtue of being having the um, the ability to drop back from three miles to two miles and a versatility on different ground. I think he could be a cut above the opposition if he turns up, but I wouldn't be, I'd be waiting now. He's short enough now. I couldn't imagine he'd be any shorter. Um, Embassy Gardens, I'd be looking to take on for the reasons already stated. So uh, again, of those towards the top of the markets, I think Hidden Valley Lake will like the conditions. He'll like the rigours of the race. And I think the ground and the strongly run race and things. So around seven to one. Um, I think it'd be the each way selection at this stage. Okay, rock my way uh, for the each way selection, and in Valley Lake would be the two for me. Uh, the mare's hurdle. So I would be very much in agreement with you about Lucia for the Supreme, which then is completely counterintuitive to say, but I would be against her here, and I am uh, thirteen to eight is the price with Betdak. Um, I'll justify that in a second. Ashro Diamond with Betak is 100 to 30. Uh, then it's all about Willie Mullins, who's got some record in this race. Night and Day, 13 to 2. Lot of Joy, who I put up for this race back in January and would still be my overall pick. Spoilers, 8 to 1. And Princess Zoe, Group 1 winner from The Flash. Dead Heated on her hurdles debut. Did a piece of work the other day. I think Adrian Heskin is going to ride, which is a subplot in itself. Yes, he's. No, no, the, the, um, the owners. Paddy and Scott Bryceland, they own a lot of horses with um, Max McNeil in partnership. They've got a couple in Ollie's as well. So Adrian does tend to ride their horses mm. um, due to his association with the McNeil. So he went over to when he obviously when he won on a, in Down Royal, which was a really good performance. To be honest, he came from, he gave a um, fantastic ride from, he 
in complete contrast to the three-car brag ride from the front that we've just talked about, Adrian dropped it out and picked his way through. And I think she's always wanted a better ground. She looked really quick when she won her bumper um, last spring on good ground, the core, when she was trained by Barry Fitzgerald. She then switched to Henry's yard. Um, after I think she went through the sale at Aintree, actually, last, was it? That's yeah, right. She went through the Aintree sale. Um, and she bolted up despite um, drifting dramatically at Wexford. Um, on better ground, she's only a t- she's only a tiny mare, but um, she's obviously got a, a fair level of ability. And look, um, this is this is going to be yeah. this is going to be quite emotional because this is this race has been renamed the Jack de Bromhead Novice Hurdle, uh, which is incredibly kind of of Michael Leary to do that. It still says on the Racing Post Ryanair Mare's Novice Hurdle. No, it's the Jack de Bromhead Memorial Novice Hurdle this year. So obviously. I think just to have a runner is going to mean an awful lot to the Bromhead team. To have that race run is going to mean an awful lot to them, but to to have a representative who could possibly win it is, is huge as well. Um, on Princess Zoe, not to get my Zoes mixed up, uh, I'd imagine Danny will be on board. I, I would imagine he will be, although he'll have... I'd imagine so, yeah. He'd have strong representation from the Mullins camp that he could get on board as well, but I uh, can't imagine him getting off his, his father's horse. Um, look, she's fascinating, you want high-class horses coming from the flat over jumps, and we just don't get that anymore because of other jurisdictions and, and competition. Um, I'm all in favour of it. I think it's terrific that she's going to run, but she'd need to improve considerably on that maiden hurdle victory. Oh, definitely, yeah. Um, positive noise is coming out, I think. Um, yeah, I, yeah, she'd need to step forward. I'm actually on um, Danny Mullins is doing the Weatherby's preview. Um, he's on the panel with me tomorrow night, so it'll be interesting to hear his thoughts, to be honest. But she, she's obviously clearly got um, a very big engine, but um, for me, she'd need to step forward considerably on what we saw at Punchestown, yeah. And her age profile wouldn't be ideal. Seven-year-olds, 20 uh, horses, seven or older, running the race, all been beaten. Yeah, it's true. She's going, She's switching quite, quite late, isn't she? Mm. Um it's not that you would have you would have preferred to have seen her. Well, I would have not flat fans, but I would have preferred to have seen her since jumping when she was four or five, not just turned eight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even even if they tilted at it last year, like she was good enough to win at Ascot last season. But Kiprios just yeah. every time she faced Kiprios, he just extended the advantage over her each and every time. And Kiprios is a brilliant, brilliant stayer. Will surely dominate that division again this year. So, I, I look. I'm excited to see what she can do. She wouldn't be for me. Uh, who is your pick in the Mare's Hurdle? Uh, well, originally, I'll be with Lucia. Um, I just think she's. Re- I just think she's really exciting. As I said earlier, um, I think she'd have a live chance if if they did reroute her to the Supreme, which seems unlikely. She's versatile in terms of ground. Jumping wasn't great um, at Exeter, and it probably it didn't look a bad race on paper beforehand, but they kind of fall apart a bit. And, um, Defeating Palace Boy wouldn't be arguably be the strongest piece of form, but um, she did jump really well, I thought, on debut at Newbury when she was also pitched into um, a bumper. Uh, sorry, a listed race for his time out. Um, she be, she's a saint who is rated, um, she's rated 126, Dan Skelton's mare, which gives you a kind of level of ability that she did probably run into the mid. 130's first time out which was a bit of an ask because she'd had a bit of time off um, 
she was due to make her reappearance in a list of bumper challenge. She pulled out due to the quick ground that day, but um, even though she'd done her bumper winning on soft ground last year, um, she a pedigree has always suggested that she might be better on better ground, and she certainly handled good ground on both starts over hurdles to date. Uh, she was due to run in the Tallworth hurdle, and she had a little setback. I think that's why we didn't get to see her then between the end of November and mid-February. Um, but that goes to show you the, the regard in which she's clearly held. And I think it could have been a completely different path than if she'd have gone, certainly if she'd have gone and won that race and beaten Tamuras, I think there's no doubt she'd have been going down the supreme route um, rather than running here. If you go back to people who might crab the strength of a novice hurdle form, but if you go back to that um, Sandown bumper, what she won last March on soft ground, uh, Mullenberg was back and forth that day. She's now... Rated 126, have won three times over hurdles. She was beaten best past 28 lengths. Um, Ava Grace of William Mullins was runner up, 17 lengths adrift. Um, I know she was disappointing recently, but um, prior to that, she had she'd run well against Hidden Valley Lake um, and the maiden hurdle against Halka the Tabert. I'm sure I've got that pronunciation wrong before yeah, she, she won by a wide margin. She beat the um, horse that so, I was involved in in Scarlet Witch for All About Sunday uh, as well, and we were incredibly bullish that Scarlet Witch was going to win that day uh, but the Mullins camp I was getting yeah. messages from the Mullins camp going save the journey we're going to win and, and they did uh, so even the fact that she was able to come out and, and win a race uh, over hurdles and, and a bumper would say an awful lot about her ability uh, and it's just a, a further example of, of Lucia's strength the the problem I, uh, with her really is her price like 13 to 8 um, and when you delve into the yeah, numbers I guess like Nicky Henderson said 10 runners in the race no winners British bred mares, 23 have run. Yeah, They've all been good. beaten. So for all that, like, 6-1 to one for the Supreme would, would interest me. At the price of 13-8, to eight, it, it just it just doesn't. She wouldn't be one. She wouldn't be one if you're strictly following the trends on, on in that regard, certainly. You say with the pedigree and things. But, um, yeah, for me, I've just been taking, I say, a hurdle I'll need to brush up. Maybe, that, maybe that's part of the thinking why you go for this race rather than the Supreme. Obviously, Slightly le- um, less competitive, as well as it being on the new course where um, there's less emphasis on jumping in the last last part of the race. So um, we've seen short price horses win this early on, but recently we've seen short price horses well beaten in it. But um, yeah, we can go on and talk about uh, Willie's mares, which I'm sure we'll do next. But um, for me, I think Lucia will take a bit of beating. She certainly will. And she's definitely the most likely winner, but at the price, I'll skip her for now. Um, I really liked a lot of joy coming into this race and, and like her even more after her win at Fairy House. She was long odds on that day. She should have won. Um, she's probably, she's definitely not going to be Paul Townend's pick because he's got Asheroy Diamond uh, and the option of, of night and day as well. But I, I wanted to see a nice performance from her and we got it. I think that form with Deep Cave is pretty decent as well from Christmas. Uh, and she was good in the flat. You know, she got to within a length of Waterville uh, in the Irish Cesar, which and she's a Swedish St. Ledger winner as well. So uh, she would be the one yeah, that I would be I leaning on it at eights currently. Yeah, I was initially disappointed when she was beating a cork on Debbie, but I know the way you're thinking looks like he's certainly made up into a nice horse. Yeah. As you say, she was runner up to Deep Cave and that came over two and a half. Um, Deep Cave wasn't certainly wasn't um, disgraced behind Goodland in the grade one next time she, he was beating less than five lengths. Um, so again, it's not, it's not bad form. Dropping back to two miles due to the fairy house when she was 
she won as she was entitled to, like you say, but she was she was a high class horse. She raised a ninety six on the flat. Um again, flat horses do tend to be well suited. We've seen that in the stairs hurdle and things by the new course because of the configuration of um on the hurdles track. So yeah, certainly I wouldn't be I'd be I'd certainly be respectful of her. Um, Willie, obviously, we, we know he's, he's dominated this. He certainly dominated winning the first five renewals, but um, he looks like he looks to have a strong hand. I'd be slightly concerned that we didn't see Night and Day again. Um, I would too. Just touching on everything, she was a she was a wide margin winner uh, at Clonmel on heavy ground, and perhaps uh, a little bit of inexperience might find her out. She was she actually won the same race that Dino Blue had won the. The previous year, she was beaten favours in this race last year, having not run again. There was a similar kind of preparation, so um, I'd say it'd be, it'd be between Astro Diamond and a lot of Joy, who was Willie's leading light. I'd say at this stage, mm. uh, first five races went to Willie Mullins with four different jockeys: Ruby Walsh twice, Paul Townend, Noel Feely, and Daryl Jacobs. So first string isn't necessarily important. Um, what do you make of Astro Diamond and, and her prospects? She's She's the solid yeah, I think second favourite. Yeah, I think she's. Yeah, I think she's a solid one. I think she's going to run a race. I was was really sweet on her for the bumper entry um, when she won at the end of last season. Um, she come on considerably from that Leopardstown run, which was a first start in a while. I loved her when she won at Wexford the first time out, and then she was beaten. She was taken on the boys at the Galway Festival. I think it was the festival pre- the previous year, twenty twenty one. She was a four year old filly then taken on boys, so. I think she could have been forgiven that. So she was obviously a fair bump horse. I thought her, her maiden hurdle success was okay without being blown away by her, to be honest. And think um, it was particularly strong form or anything in beating Kansas City star. Um, but then she she ran well then and again against the boys at Fairy House behind Marie National and the Royal Bond and behind Fasal Vega at Christmas, where she just on each occasion, she kind of crept into the race like she was almost being ridden to get some black tight, maybe. Mm. And then she went to the Solarina Mares, obviously, which um, I think a more strongly run race would definitely have suited her. She was stepping up to two and a quarter miles there for the first time. And she's a speedy mare, so I was slightly concerned. So pace probably maybe one day, but it would have definitely helped her settle better. And it was a bit of a unsatisfactory bunch finish. Um, in the end but I think she's probably a bit better than that there for I don't think uh, better ground will be any issues who obviously she travelled really well when she won at Angel last year on decent ground um, and again I think the configuration of the track will suit her because she'll come there I would imagine she'll be able to come there from off the pace um, and she could run well obviously Limini and Lorena who won two of the first three renewals of this and both won that grade three Solarina Mayor's novice hurdle on route to win in this race. So it's a tried and tested path for Willie. Um I think she's the solid one. She's she's the one who will run a race, to be honest. And just on a line through it, I think I touched on her earlier on, Jitaro, when we were talking about high definition for the Supreme. She's actually only had two hurdles starts and still a maiden. She finished behind um high definition over Christmas and then finished close up second to Astro Diamond. So um her defeat of Lily the Berle in a listed bumper reads quite well. Um, she was disappointing in the bumper a bunch of time, if I remember rightly, last year behind the Model Kingdom. Um, but over hurdles, even though she's a maiden, she's run two good races. So um, she wouldn't, just a disparity in prices there. She, she could be one that could uh, certainly outrun her odds at a decent price for Jesse Harrington. Good shout. 
Very good shout. Um, Astro Diamond, extremely solid. Hard to see out of the first three. Uh, you're going with Lucia. I'm going with a lot of joy. I have maximum respect for Astro Diamond, but a lot of joy would be would be my pick. Um, as we go to our final race, the JCB Triumph Hurdle. But that's not for novices. Yes, I know, but we're just going to fit it in anyway because it's one of those awkward races, but an exciting one that we wanted to discuss. Uh, Davy Russell has got very strong advice for this race. If you're going to Cheltenham, hit the snooze button, stay a bit later, and and skip the 130. <laughs> As he then goes off in a tirade of dirty flat rats before he went on to win the Triumph Hurdle uh, on, on Tiger Roll all those years ago, but still not a massive fan of the Triumph. And is he going to be back? He told Nick Luck the other day that he will be fitting well for Cheltenham, but interesting that Gordon hasn't spoken to him in two weeks. Um, and that he's only taken two rides since that bad fall at the DRF. Anyway... This race is one that Willie Mullins has got by the short and curlies. Lossy mouth, clearly unlucky at the Dublin Racing Festival. Seven to four favourite with Betak, and she would have been odds on had she won that race. Uh, Blood Destiny, nine to four currently with Betak. Uh, wildly impressive at Fairy House and really good at Cork the time before that. Like that horse a lot. Ground would be a concern if it's proper good ground. Uh, and Gala Marceau, clearly very, very talented, but she doesn't do herself any favours in front. She's very, very keen. Uh, a 5-1 to one shot. Comfort Zone, who won the finale and then won uh, on Trials Day at Cheltenham. Uh, a 12-1 to one shot. Bo Zenith for Gary Moore, who's got form with Blood Destiny, having beaten him in their native France at a 20-1 to one shot. Right, it's all about Willie Mullins' bingo here. Who do you like, Paul? Uh, well, like Lucia, Lossie Mouth was one of my leading prospects at the start of the season and jumpers to follow, so she hasn't done much wrong, but not not out of her own doing anyway. Certainly, last time she started um, really well from when she moved from France. I was really impressed with her at Otoy on her sole start of France, hence her inclusion in the Brook book. Um, she dived to her left late on, but didn't stop, prevent her from winning um, impressively by 10 lengths. She was pitched in against the boys, which I found quite surprising early on on her Irish debut in the Grade 3 of Fairy House on Royal Bond Day. Um, and she showed plenty of pace. So we're not comfortable with it. Um, obviously, Comfort Zone was back in third that day, and as you've already touched upon, he's been to England twice since and won a brace of grade twos. Which, so I think it's safe to say Comfort Zone and even Nosrat on Saturday suggest that the Irish juvenile form is stronger and somewhere ahead of the British juvenile form. So I think that helps in that regard because we don't always have a um, collateral form line, but we do in this division. Um I think it's. I think it boils down to pretty much a straight match between the top two and the better as boring as that sounds. To be honest, I think I can't I believe that Lossy Mouth can't turn that up, can't turn that form around with Garlemar. So um, she beat her in the, the night Frank at Christmas at Leopardstown when she was conceding um, three pounds to the runner. Nuzret was back in third that day. Obviously, Nuzret has um, form with both Lossy Mouth and um, Blood Destiny. Um, so again, another good point there that he came, he was able to come over and win the Adonis on Saturday for um, Pat uh, Joseph O'Brien. Um, so yeah, say she was actually better off with Garlemar so when beaten in the night in the Spring Juvenile. But I, I just can't. I keep watching that back, and I can't for the life of me think that she will not turn that form around. Um, just, she was patently unlucky with the with the same connection source dropping back through the field um, and she had to then go wide throughout and the more you watch it she was actually 
that badly positioned at one stage on her, and she's like four wide and trying to make up a ground at the wrong time in the race. I just, I just think nine times out of ten, you 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 run that race again, and she would she would comfortably turn the form around. So, um, I know people talking about having a hard, difficult race, hard race, and things. I wouldn't be overly too overly concerned myself. And I think if she got a clear passage through that, she would probably won comfortably and. Would have been a much shorter price at the top of the market. So um she's the one who sets the standard for me. Um interestingly, anyone who, who's interested in some of the stats, seven of the past eleven triumph winners ran in that spring juvenile hurdle. Only three of them were successful. That does include the past two, but goes to show that four out of them seven of ten have been beaten at Leopardstown and then come on to win the triumph. So um you shouldn't be too perturbed by the fact that she was beaten there. Blood destiny for me is the obvious danger. And um, we've only seen him twice in Ireland obviously as you as you touched upon he was beaten by Bo Zenith who hasn't really um, improved to the same at the same rate but Blood no. Destiny has since arriving in Britain or Ireland um, at Cork I thought Blood Destiny was really good I thought he jumped well that day and he beat Sir Alan who's obviously won a couple of times since and is probably one of the, going to be one of the market leaders for the Boodles uh, that was a good performance I thought Fairy House his jumping wasn't quite as good and he was, he was left alone in front of his Bit of a farce in the end. I thought the race, to be honest, but through no thought, fault of his own, really, he, he just dictated matters from the front and um, done all he needed to. Again, I did. I could touch on about some of the novices. I do like to have seen um, horses with a bit of graded form coming into these races, if possible. But I think time and wise, wasn't it wasn't going to be the case with him because he won mid January on soft to heavy ground that day. Um, I think there was there was little chance that he was then going to be rushed out to take on Lossy Mouth and Garlemar. So in the spring juvenile, so it made sense to give him a bit of time. Like you, whether he needs um, deep ground remains to be seen. Um, we've seen some no risk at all. Obviously, Alaho, Epitan to be a couple of examples who who was quick enough to to handle better ground. So um, perhaps he'll cope with it. I think he's he's without doubt the chief threat. Whether he can give seven pounds to a stable mate uh, remains to be seen, but I do think it, I do think it looks like a match between the two. Yeah, I, I would read it the very same way as you. Um, I mean, Carla Marceau is clearly talented, but you'd be bitterly disappointed if Lossiemouth couldn't turn that form around. Um, and, and as you pointed out, it's Ivanovich Gorbachev and Farkla who were beaten in the Spring Juvenile and came out and won the Triumph. It's not going to be a, a bearing, and just everything went wrong for her that day. It, not just her ownership companion as well as stable companion sinking through the field and carrying her with her. I don't even know why that horse was in the race. Uh, but then when she goes wide, she gets carried further wide with an incident on the inside. And again, it wasn't um, something that Willie Mullins was, was too pleased with, with the fact that Paul Townend got after her as much as he did, because he might not have been able to tell that she wasn't going to make that ground up, but we could uh, from, from where he was. And he was furious for giving her an unnecessarily hard race. That being said, she enhanced her reputation in my mind because she ate up an awful lot of yeah, ground very, very quickly. I think she'll win it. Yeah, I agree. I think she looks like she's got a lot of pace as well. So um, last year's race, if, if, if it was a similar scenario to that with Oban, seemed to just have too much pace for the opposition. Um, I could see maybe that that materialising again with Lossie Mouth, whereas Blood Destiny looks like maybe he's... he's, he's Possibly the better long-term prospect in the fact that yeah. he looks a good, strong galloper. He maybe not as as 
precocious maybe as Lossy Mouth. I don't know. I don't know. I couldn't see a lot of Sweden, but I'd say Blood Destiny. I, if Lossy Mouth runs a race, I think Blood Destiny would have to be pretty good to to be able to concede the weight to it, I would think. Yeah, that's the key factor there, is Lossy Mouth's coming from the Spring Juvenile, so she has the grade one form to her name. Blood Destiny skipped that race. Ground would be a, only a slight concern. You could argue it would be a concern for Lossy Mouth as well. And look, we're guessing what it's going to be, but it should be good to soft. And the new course drains super fast, so maybe even better than that. But it, it's the waste concession. You're trying to give... Seven pounds. Trying to give seven pounds to Lossy Mouth. I'm not, I'm not sure you can do that. Maybe. But there's not a whole lot between them in the market now. You know, one's seven to four, one's nine to four. They're the two most no, likely believe, winners. Um, yeah, I think, I think the market's right, really, just about right I now. Agree. But I think... I was listening or reading a transcript from a preview night over the weekend when um, I believe David Casey was very bullish about Blood Destiny. So oi, oi. I think that might have something to do with it. Dennis has talked about how he's ridden against Blood Destiny and was blown away by the horse. He was in Cork and he's his pick right now, subject to change by the time we're actually talking to Dennis about Cheltenham full yeah. stop. Um, but that was the, the most recent thing he said on the Final Forum podcast regarding juvenile hurdlers. It is between these two. It really is. Gallimarso just pulls too hard in front, and you'd be disappointed if Lassimo didn't turn form around her with, with, with her anyway, with a clearer run. Yeah. I think I think if the... If the I think I'd probably have a different look at the race if, if there was a prospect of a soft soft ground and really testing conditions, which Blood Destiny looks like also who re- really gallops through through those conditions and mm. might might have far too much stamina for lossy mouth but the way the weather is as well I don't see that materialising really so um, we don't tend to get the the massive field that we used to get in the um, in the triumph certainly not not in recent years anyway and again that, that's kind of indicative of the way that this race and some of the novice races have gone um, but obviously the, the Fred wins to the Boodles had an, an effect on that regard it takes some of the lesser fancied horses away so um that i just don't, I don't envisage it being an out and out um real test of test of stamina so um with that in mind i just i'd lean towards lost your mouth lost your mouth for both of us in the yeah. triumph fertile um subject to change new evidence and all that but i'd be pretty bullish about last month right now and and if you're long time and, and if the, mon- the monsoon arrives that, uh, then we switch the blood destiny that we don't, that we don't sure. expect <laughs> yeah that's that's the key if if it was proper soft ground and definitely if it was heavy which looks highly unlikely but if it was i'd make blood destiny nearly favorite if that were the case but on the current conditions as it's forecast no i, I would be reasonably bullish about um very bullish in fact about lossy mouth uh which brings us to novice handicaps so we've only had the ratings out now and i'm not going to put you under too much pressure but is anything that's really standing out to you that you're particularly keen to take a swing at at cheltenham uh the only i, I haven't as you said the only couple of ratings i'd looked at was literally while we were um chatting on air uh before prior to the ratings coming out the only one that i had back was a novice in the handicap and that was pembroke who I actually took some before Maybe he's finished second in the classic novices hurdle. Um, I thought coming back in trip for the county would suit him. He's on a mark of one thirty-six. Um, having backed him, I probably wouldn't want to see Hunter John in there. Although you would have to give him eleven pounds anyway. But I think Pembroke's good horse. He's a strong traveller. Dan Skelton has a good record in the race. Two mile one and the new course would probably be just about ideal for him. He's had the four starts, so there was no issue with him qualifying. 
Um, and yeah, I think at the time he was 14, 16 to 1. I think he's around 10s now, but I'd expect him to go well in the count. Okay. Uh, imagine for me, who we've talked about numerous times on the show, um, I see that Spanish Harlem got a mark of 135, which is great. And he's a Spanish moon, so he should get better ground. But he also got good ground at Thurless and was still beaten as an odds-on favourite. So, I don't know, maybe he needed that run. Um, maybe it was just a case of get him get him qualified for handicaps. Uh, but he cost an awful lot of money from France. Um, he's just, he's gone very, very short now for these races. Uh, and I see Imagine has been absolutely pulverised. The 16-1 to 1 is gone. Sevens now. Uh, after that mark of 139. Gordon's got a lot of ammo for the Martin Pipe, and he's got a good record in the race. He's trained winners of it. He's had horses go very, very close to winning it as well. The boss's Oscar was terribly unlucky in it a few years ago. Um, I imagine it's been a long-time fancy of mine, and that mark of 139 is bueno. Absolutely beautiful, so he would be the pick. But Spanish Harlem is interesting for all that he just seems artificially short in the market. Um, what's the novice hurdler you're most confident about backing that we've just talked about? Oh, that's say them. The one I'd be strongest on was Lucia. So I'd be I'd be quite confident that she'd be towards the head of the betting for the Supreme, and she'd run a really big race if she went there. So um, against her own sex, uh, I think she will be difficult to beat in the dawn run. Okay, I'm going to take you on, but I I absolutely see it. I'm probably with the the trends buster in Hermes Alain. You're going to try and burst trends with Lucia. Yeah. I'll try and burst them with with Hermes Alain. I just think the form is. It's the best form that we were seeing going into a, a novice hurdle at Cheltenham. I, I would make a strong case for dutching Hidden Valley Lake and Rock My Way in the potato race. and I, I want to finalise just which of those two I'm going to side with closer to the time, which we'll talk about on the show. But Hermes Allen, I think he'll drift, but I think he wins. The Ballymore for all that I, I very much respect in Perry Pass. Next week, we are going to be touching on the novice chasers for the Cheltenham Festival in the company of Paul Ferguson. And Paul, you will also be here for day one of the Cheltenham Festival, we'll be doing the Cheltenham Dailies as per usual. Uh, so on Sunday, before the Cheltenham Festival, we'll release our previews of day one and day two, uh, Monday, days three and day four. If you can't get to watch Cheltenham, oh, that would be heartbreaking. But have no fear. TalkSport 2 is here. Uh, live coverage of the Cheltenham Festival Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. All of the major races will be brought to you on TalkSport 2. I'm hosting Champion Hurdle Day and Gold Cup Day. Lee McKenzie, the main man. Uh, covering the Champion Chase Day and Stairs Hurdle Day as well. So lots, lots of fun to be had. Some great interviews and preview shows as well. Uh, looking forward to bringing you all that content. Uh, and some big interviews coming on the Final Front Podcast between now and Cheltenham as well. Uh, Paul, Weatherby's Cheltenham Festival Guide is an essential read. I wouldn't dare place a bet on Cheltenham without it. Weatherby's shop is where you can get it. And to get yourself a £5 discount on either the digital copy the publication itself, the book, if you want to feel it in your hand, or the combination of the two, the bundle, the book and the digital copy, you can get a £5 discount right now by entering in this promo code, FINAL23, lowercase, FINAL23, enter that now at Weatherby's shop, or the Betrans shop, and the essential Weatherby's Cheltenham Festival betting guide is yours. It's yeah. a case of bring on the gravy, Paul, the countdown is well and truly on. Paul Ferguson, pleasure as yeah. always, my friend. Me too. Thanks for having me, Emma. Speak next week.
And thank you for listening. Hope you've enjoyed a special edition of the Final Furlong Podcast. More great content coming your way. Be safe, be well. We'll talk to you soon. God bless. The Final Furlong Podcast is proudly brought to you by BetDAC. Get 0% commission on all sports for 100 days when you join BetDAC.com. New customers only. Terms and conditions apply. And by All About Sunday. The ownership experience where you can own three racehorses for only £18.99 per month. Visit AllAboutSunday.com to get involved today.